Hi, I'm TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I ask that you like, share, and comment on this video. Thanks for watching. All I got to say is, who that? What is going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for allowing the State of the Saints podcast to be a part of your listening or your viewing or listening and viewing pleasure. <laughs> really do appreciate it. Much love to everybody. As uh, you file in, I ask that you hit the like button. Um, I ask that you uh, subscribe if you're new to the channel. Uh, Shouts out to the belly up. Uh, media podcast network um the official home of the state of the saints podcast on this edition we're going to continue our talk about the nfl draft part number four uh, of our mock draft uh, we talked a little bit about um you know the first three rounds i encourage you if you have not checked out episodes one two and three to go back and check it out let me know what you think uh, feel free to comment. Feel free to uh, tell me uh, who you feel should have went in that place if you don't agree with what or who um, I mentioned. Uh, there was a couple guys, you know, that I talked about first round. Um, I was very high on Nolan Smith, um, you know, out of uh, Georgia. Uh, in the second round, uh, I was very high on you know, Sanders, the linebacker out of Arkansas. Third round, um, extremely high on Kenny McIntosh, running back. Uh, out of Georgia so now we fast forward and we focus on the fourth round now uh, the fourth round of the NFL draft there's a lot of guys who end up you know getting drafted in the fourth round end up you know paying dividends uh, especially like um, I think about guys like CJ Gardner Johnson the Saints drafted him in the fourth round and um, he turned out to be a really good uh, player um, you know and there's some guys that have come into the fourth round that have really made some noise. Um, I tried to uh, look up uh, some guys who, uh, you know, some guys who ended up uh, being drafted in a fourth round. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and pull that up right now as everybody filing in, um, and and we'll see. You know, like some of these legendary uh, players uh, that ended up being in a fourth round. There's a few guys that uh, that stood out in particular. A legendary Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Steve Largent. Uh, for all my older uh nfl fans out there some of y'all probably wondering who steve largent is <laughs> uh he was a really good wide receiver uh for the seattle seahawks uh back in the 80s uh jared allen um uh, pass rushing for the minnesota vikings uh andre reed legendary wide receiver for the buffalo bills dak prescott 
uh, Geno Atkins, uh, legendary offensive lineman Jari Evans for the New Orleans Saints, Elvis Dumerville, Brandon Marshall, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's still a starter. Uh, we also have Morton Anderson, who was a fourth-round pick. So a lot of guys. Uh, Quan Alexander, former New Orleans Saint. Darren Sproles, another guy. Uh, Chris Carter, Devontae Freeman, Richard Dent. So a few guys that I mentioned and named are Hall of Famers. So the fourth round, you can find diamonds in the rough. You can find guys. Uh, you know, somebody mentioned Teron Armstead, Jamal, thank you so much. That's that's another guy. I mean, if you go and you look at this list of guys um, that, that have come through the fourth round, you know that you can find diamonds uh, in the rough. And I think that the New Orleans Saints could find their diamond in the rough. Now, if you looked at some of these episodes, you know that I've been focusing on the New Orleans Saints and, and what they have shown to me. Uh, what what I see is the New Orleans Saints are trying to add guys that they actually need. It, it don't seem like they're really reaching out. They're really trying to just get the depth that they need at certain positions. You need depth at defensive tackle. Let's go out there and get it. Uh, we need depth at running back. Let's go out there and get it. So it seems to me like the Saints are are trying to build up at positions that they need to build up at if that makes any sense. So let's go ahead and focus on the fourth round. Now, I was looking at, you know, my mock draft, of course, and the guys that I named. And, you know, I'm, I was wondering, uh, you know, will a guy like tight end Luke Shoemaker be there in the fourth round? And I was thinking probably not uh, because of his blocking ability, his skill set. I think that he probably won't be there. In, in in round number four, I think that he more than likely is going to be a third round pick. I think somebody going to go ahead and uh, scoop him up. And that was a tough decision that I had to make because I had to look at, you know, will the Saints go after a guy like Luke Shoemaker, the tight end out of Michigan, or will the Saints try to get themselves a running back, a guy like Kenny McIntosh. And I decided to roll with Kenny McIntosh because I think that Kenny McIntosh can be a dynamic running back for the New Orleans Saints. And I think that he can be a really, really good fit. Now, the fourth round, um, I, I think that the New Orleans Saints are going to possibly draft a quarterback. Now, some people will probably listen to this or probably watch this and be like, TJ, what are you talking about? The Saints just got Derek Carr. Uh, they got Jameis Winston as a backup. Why would the New Orleans Saints go out here and draft themselves a quarterback in this year's draft? Some people, I even seen on yesterday's episode, people feel as if the Saints don't even need to be paying attention to a quarterback. But my my response to you would be, you should always be thinking of the future, okay, even when you're in the present. People that just collect, you know, collect what they're, you know, they're doing right now, just collect it and, you know what I'm saying, they pile it up and not looking towards the future are those individuals that can end up being in a precarious position if they don't do it. So, to me, um, in the fourth round, I have the New Orleans Saints taking quarterback Clayton Toon out of the University of Houston. Um, this is a guy who's six foot two. He's about 200, if I'm not mistaken. He's like a 220 pounds. Wait, 6'3", 220 pounds, excuse me. Uh, last year, 2022, he had 4,074 yards, 40 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 75.6, even though, you know, that's that QBR – could get a lot better 
one thing that I like about Clayton Toon and I got a lot of respect for is his scrappiness and grit. You know, this is a guy who, you know, has been in some very tough situations. And me watching this guy and, and seeing like some of his, you know, some of his games where, you know, he had to overcome adversity, he really rose to the occasion. Now, I really also realized that uh, his, the guy he was throwing the ball to, wide receiver Tank Dale, is an absolute beast because for the majority of the big plays that he made, Tank Dale was out there catching those passes. So somebody is going to have a very, very, very talented wide receiver, Tank Dale. Um, I, I cannot t- I cannot stress that enough. But when I when I look at a guy like Clayton Toon, like I said, the, the scrappiness, uh, the grit, the ability that he has, if, I'm showing you all right now, uh, the, the good touch on the throws, uh, especially those sideline throws, this is a guy to me, what I was watching, you know, he's not going to wow you with, with his arm strength. Now, I know that people love the arm strength. We look at guys like Anthony Richardson throwing the ball 75 yards down the field, and we just think, oh, man, that's what we need right there. Not to say that Clayton Toon can't spin it, which he can, and he, he does have respectable arm strength, which we're probably about to be see right here. You know, he drops the ball right where it needs to be, and um, – that's Tang Dale again. <laughs> but anyway, uh, look, he can get the ball where it needs to be. But I'm more impressed because you got to be able to make some of these throws in the NFL. Like this pass right here, you got to be able to drop it in a bucket right there. Once again, Tank Dale. Um, you got to be able to drop it in a bucket and you got to be able to throw the ball into tight windows. And that what that's what stood out to me about Clayton Toon is the fact that he can actually put the ball into tight windows because we know in the National Football League, it is a very, I mean, it, it's, they're very tight windows. You're not going to get the, the level of separation that you'll get in college as a wide receiver. And as a quarterback, you got to be able to get the ball where it needs to be. Now, to me, I think he needs some help with his footwork. Uh, sometimes I feel like he gets a little bit rattled when it comes to the blitz, but he all but he is always fighting and he is always gritty and he's scrappy and and, and his skill set to me kind of fits what the new orleans saints are at this particular time and i feel like you know he's not going to be ready in year one and you know to me he'll probably end up being a a a solid backup quarterback uh for a team would be a shock to me if he was a, a year in year out uh you know starting quarterback in the national football league but a guy that can possibly learn and develop and be what you need him to be in, in you know, certain situations if his name and his number is called. I like him a lot. Um, I got an opportunity to talk to him uh, at the Combine, and it's ironic that uh, you know we're talking about him today uh, as of right now. Uh, he's in New Orleans right now to speak with the New Orleans Saints. And I actually I asked him you know, about the possibility of him you know, being chosen by the Saints, and what would that mean to him? Have you spoken with anybody from the New Orleans Saints, and um, how would that be like uh, being with the New Orleans Saints if you were to be drafted by them? Yeah, I spoke with them um, at the Senior Bowl informally, um, and then I spoke with them two days ago here um, informally as well. So it'd be awesome. You know, I'd love to go to New Orleans, love to to be in that system and learn from those guys. Um, obviously, it's, it's close to Texas, so that'd be a plus, but um, would love it. I think that'd be a great situation. So it, it seems like, you know, he would be elated. I mean, the fact that he's from Texas, he's from Carrollton, Texas. Uh, he played high school 
uh, football at Plain in Plano, Texas, which I'm very familiar with. I actually stayed in Carrollton for a short period of time when I was living out in uh, in Texas. So he he seemed like he would embrace that opportunity. And also, you know, a part of it that that wasn't filmed. Um, somebody you know talked to him about you know you know waiting in the wings, and he said that he's willing to do that. You know, he's willing to sit back. He's willing to learn. And, and allow the game to come to him. So I thought that was very, very humble of him. Uh, a guy that is a leader. I mean, he's a four-year starter. He was a three-year captain of his team. So the fact that you got a elected captain three years in a row is just a testament to what type of player that he is and how much respect he has from uh, his fellow teammates. So Clayton Toon would be uh, my fourth-round pick for the New Orleans Saints. And also, it was tough. It was, it was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. It came down to Will Mallory, the tight end um, out of the University of Miami. If you checked out the thumbnail, you'll see him. Um, a very, very physical guy. Got a lot of really good traits, really good blocker. Um, needs to work a little bit on the pass catching, you know, in my opinion. You know, like I think that he can be what you need him to be in a blocking game right off, especially when it comes to the run. But, you know, I, I, I definitely would uh, look at him uh, and – Another guy is Bryce Ford Wheaton on the wide receiver out of West Virginia. Now, if the Saints didn't sign Brian Edwards, I probably would be looking at Bryce Ford Wheaton in the fourth round. Bryce Ford Wheaton is six foot three, 215 pounds, and he fits that mold and looks about the size of a Brian Edwards. And uh, I think that by the Saints actually signing a guy like Edwards, it probably they probably won't be looking for an individual like Bryce Ford Wheaton uh, in rounds number four. So, I had to go ahead and take him off the board, but I have a lot of respect for the guy. I think he'll be a really good red zone threat right away. Um, not the best route runner right at this stage of his career. Uh, and, and also he has to learn and develop, but he can't help you when it comes to, you know, being that possession receiver, catching those 50-50 balls. So don't know if the Saints will be looking his way, even though it seems like the Saints are looking at everybody right now from quarterback to wide receivers and they even had Ed Obawe, they're, they're looking at him. So there, there's so many guys that the Saints are trying to look at, and I have nothing but respect for what they're actually doing because even if they don't draft any of these guys, they know that they did their homework. And a guy might come in that you probably weren't very high on, and when when he leaves, you might end up, end up drafting him because he left a lasting impression on you. So this is a great opportunity for not only the Saints to find out what these players are made of, but it also gives these other players out here that's probably on the bubble an opportunity to elevate their draft stock and may get an opportunity to be drafted early if they put their best foot forward, they do their due diligence, and they then they really uh, have a really good interview. So, um, But Clayton Toon is a guy that I'm looking at in round number four. Uh, the Saints drafting a quarterback, I, I don't think it's too far-fetched, especially – around round number four now when we're talking about rounds one and two that's when you start looking at like you know maybe some ego come into play right if you have a starting quarterback and some and the team is drafting a guy in the first and the second round you're wondering to yourself well do they have the confidence in me so i don't think the saints want to do that because they don't want to give Derek Carr that type of impression especially in year number one after he just signed a 150 million dollar contract now Let's just say, for example, if this season goes by and Carr isn't everything we need him to be, 
um, you know, if they draft a quarterback in the first round, you can't be too upset about that. But let me go ahead and read some of your comments. Uh, and feel free. Um, if you look at a fourth round pick, if you've been evaluating, you did a mock, a mock draft, a draft simulator, if you will, and you got somebody going into the fourth round, let me know who you, you feel like would be a, a really good fit. All right. But let me go ahead and read some of these. Um, let me go ahead and read some of your comments. Uh, Kimo says, who that Clarence? Glad you enjoy brother TJ's content. Well, look, thank you very much, Clarence. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody that stops by and, and, and gives kind words and also just, you know, support the state of the Saints podcast. You know, I'm, I'm extremely passionate about the New Orleans Saints. I'm extremely passionate about sports. And, uh, you know, if I can, uh, you know, give people, you know, something to think about and a, a little bit of entertainment and, you know, I, I'm, I feel like, you know, my, my wife, my life, uh, you know, is uh, fulfilling. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, my wife must be talking about me. I said my wife, so she must be talking about me. And if you if you're watching this right now, stop talking about me. <laughs> TJ, I missed most of yesterday episode. Can you give a brief synopsis of who you had us picking or trading up for? Well, Ken Arthur, uh, shouts out to you, my friend. Um, but yeah, um, I had us uh, taking Kenny McIntosh in, in round number three. Um, I talked about uh, Alvin Kamara and the question marks that are out there about you know that pending case. Uh, you know, will he be suspended? And even if if not you know you you got to take into account um that alvin camaro um has been dealing with injuries over the last couple of years and if you can get a young guy in here uh that can contribute um you know and, and give you something you know i think that that is that's a plus so a guy like kenny mcintosh a guy that can run in between the tackles catch the ball out of backfield and also be able to be in there on third down and pass protection I think that he 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 definitely checks all the boxes of what the Saints actually need, and, and not to mention like he's not the biggest guy in the world, uh, but he has a physical running style, and I think that the Saints want to run the football and they want to inflict some physicality on the opposition. So I think he he kind of checks those boxes. So Kenny McIntosh was the third round pick that I uh, believe the Saints uh, need to go after in, in in the NFL draft this year. Uh, TJ, uh, you think Clayton Toon better than Max Duggan? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I'm not very high on Max Duggan. I, I'm just not. You know, Max Duggan, yeah, he's kind of scrappy. Yeah, you know, he he's tough and he, he shows like uh, he shows like some late game heroics from time to time. But I, I wasn't impressed watching Max Duggan. Uh, you know, at the combine, wasn't really impressed with Max Duggan at the senior bowl. I mean, I actually had opportunity to see him practice. I, I seen him throw one pass in the back of the end zone. I, ironically, I think it was the tank Dale. tank Dale everywhere. But anyway, he threw the ball in the back of the end zone. That's probably the best pass that he threw uh, during uh, goal line drills uh, for the senior bowl. But after that, like I wasn't really impressed with him. You know, it was a couple, uh, you know, a couple series. Um, couldn't get the ball into the end zone. Ball, bad ball placement. I'm just I'm like genuinely concerned about Max Duggan, um, you know, as as a pro. Now, not to say that the light can't come on. Sometimes guys don't have a really good outing, and then you know maybe it's nerves, maybe it's the fact that maybe they're just having an off day. But you know, when I look at Max Duggan, you had opportunity in the national championship game. You weren't going to win that game. Let's let's just call it spade a spade. But you you could have played a little bit better to show something. I mean, it wasn't 
the only the only play that he really made was like early in the first half you know that touchdown pass that he threw but and that was like maybe like a, some blown coverage but all i'm saying is when it comes to max duggan i just need to see more and what i see out of a guy like clayton tune you know i i see some things you can actually work with yeah i see some some really good decision making one thing that stands out to me is his ability when he gets outside the pocket He's not looking to run. He's still reading this, you know, going through his progressions, trying to get the ball down the field. So, you know, the fact that he did that on countless occasions when he was under the rest, you know, it just tells me a lot. And then also, like, some of the gains that I've seen. Because what I do is, look, everybody can pull up some highlights, right? Everybody get excited about some highlights. You see a 75-yard bomb down the field, guy scramble for 70-some-odd yards, you know, all this stuff. But I, I like to see games where his phone boot, is a phone boot type game, a guy not playing uh, his best. Because with that, I feel like you can see his limitations. And also, you can see if they're trying to overcome adversity and how they're going to do it. And I've seen on countless occasions a guy like Clayton Toon overcome adversity and make really good plays, get the ball down the field when his team was down, and uh, made smart decisions. Uh, when when it comes to Max Duggan, um, there's a certain gear that I expect for guys to have at a certain level, and I have not seen that gear from Max Duggan. I, I, I guess you can make an argument maybe in that championship game, um, what was that, Big 12 championship game, you know, you've seen a little bit of, of some fighting and some grit, you know, going up uh, in that Big 12 championship game. But here, here's the thing, like, I, I just think that this guy leaves a lot to be desired, and as as the, the temperature – he heats up. I just think that he kind of shrivels up, you know. So I need to see more out of Max Duggan. I'm not. I'm not saying that Clayton Tune may end up being better than Max Duggan, uh, but Max Duggan to me, he leaves a lot to be desired. And if I had to choose out of the two, I, I got to roll with Clayton Tune. Uh, let me stroll up just a little bit. Thank y'all for being here. I ask that you hit the like button. Hit the like button if you enjoy the State of Saints podcast. Billy says, uh, round four, TJ, I think Ronnie Hickman Jr. would be a solid pick. Yeah, Ronnie Hickman, you know, I talked to him at, at the Combine, too. As actually, He was actually the first person I, I talked to. He was the first person I actually talked to at the Combine. And we know that he's coming off injury. He plays for a school that the Saints just love to draft from. But the only reason why I wouldn't say Ronnie Hickman is the fact that the Saints seem like they've been loading up on safety all all <laughs> all offseason, right? You know, you got Lonnie Johnson Jr. Uh, you know, you you got you got Marcus May, you already got Tyron Matthew, you got JT Gray. Um, you know, you you got already got safeties, and you know, you, you only carry maybe what about four safeties, and I just named four of them. So unless you're about to get this guy and he's gonna be on the practice squad, I'm wondering where he's gonna fit. So um, I think that he's going to end up being a solid safety, but I just don't think that he's probably going to end up playing for the New Orleans Saints. Right school, and if you probably if, if they probably didn't sign Lonnie Johnson Jr., um, I probably would say that they probably would go after a guy like uh, Ronnie Hickman. But uh, I think that the Saints are probably going to go in a different direction. If they get a safety, it's probably going to be in one of the later rounds, a guy that they're going to take a flyer on. Uh, James said, good afternoon. Love your story on yesterday in regards to your past job, man. I went to you, uh, went to the game and I saw Dale, the receiver. What do you think? Yeah. I think that the University of Houston has a really 
underrated. They they always have like those underrated players. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, since we're talking about that, before I get to Tank Dale, I'm I'm I, I can understand people being skeptical about Houston quarterbacks. I mean, if you look at the history of them, you know, you got Andre Ware, yeah, David Klingler, uh, back in the day when they was running that uh, <laughs> when they was running what they was running at uh, run and shoot, um. Well, no, they weren't even running. They were running an air raid. Excuse me, they were running an air raid offense during that time. And then all of a sudden, you had Case Keenum putting up nine touchdowns in one game. Even though Case Keenum, you know, everybody know what Case Keenum did uh, in that divisional round a couple of years ago. But you know, the University of Houston quarterbacks, people are always kind of iffy on those guys because uh, you know they put up these monster numbers, but they it, it can't translate to the league. But I think a guy like uh, Clayton Toon can fit in. But but as far as Tank Dale, um, this guy is, is is lightning in a bottle. I think he can help you out in the return game. I think that uh, he's definitely can help you take the top off the defense. And um, he, he's a guy that can go out there and get it, man. Very above average route runner. Only going to get better. Um, going to get a little bit more stronger um, as time goes on. Probably going to put on a little bit more muscle as he he grows into being a pro. And um, he's going to be a problem, um, especially if he goes to a team that can utilize his skill set and um, not just have him just being a jag. I think that he can bring a lot to the table. And if uh, he goes to the right team, he could be that lead receiver on that team. I, I, I have that much confidence in a guy like Dale. <laughs> I agree with you on uh, I agree with you, TJ, on Max Duggan. I live in Fort Worth. Yeah, I'm not a real big fan of Max Duggan like Dick. Uh, Stetson Bennett. Uh, Stetson Bennett. If Stetson Bennett was six foot three, he'll be a second round pick, but he's not, right? Um, some people like to minimize him because you know they'll say stuff like, "Well, you know, he he played at the University of Georgia. Those guys are always open." But look, if that was the case, then the University of Georgia would have stayed winning national championship games, and we got to take that into account. Um, they've, I honestly, if we if we want to keep it a buck. They've they've had better quarterbacks than Stetson Bennett come through Georgia. I mean Matthew Stafford, what they had uh, uh Aaron Murray. You know what I'm saying? Like you had some really good guy quarterbacks that was supposed to be much better than he was, right? You even had Justin Fields, but um at the end of the day, he was the one that led these guys to the national championship game and won back to back championships. So I don't think that that's just something that you just kind of got to uh, gloss over. Um, I think that he he's going to end up finding a home uh, with an NFL team. No, I don't think he's going to be a starter, uh, but I, I think that his ability uh, to continue to uh, fight in a, in the midst of adversity, uh, his ability to uh, make plays when things go awry, I think a team is going to take a fly on him. And you know who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit, right? You know, all you need is opportunity. It's what you do with that opportunity. And what Stetson Bennett has done with the opportunity at the University of Georgia has became one of the most successful quarterbacks in that school's history. So that's nothing you have to, you know, you can gloss over. So Stetson Bennett, there's a place for him in the league. Uh, let's see, uh, TJ, uh, am I wrong for being a bit nervous about, a uh, I forgot about John Day Abram too, uh, about Abram being on the back end. I think he should be in the box more than anything. Yeah, that's what they got him for, King Arthur, to be honest. Like, he he's a guy that, that's a liability and coverage. He reminds me a lot of Roman Harper. Like, that, that, you know, Roman Harper was a guy, you know, more of a box safety, was a liability and coverage. No disrespect to Roman Harper. You know, shots out to him. But 
Um, you know, the Saints kind of, you know, sent them on, you know, the blitz. I remember that year when Roman Harper led the team in sacks <laughs> one year. But, uh, yeah, I, I look at him as more like that box safety, more of a thumper. Um, I think that they probably got a guy like him because at first the Saints had Tyron Matthew being a box safety, which I didn't understand. Why would you have a five foot nine, five ten, hundred eighty five pound safety out there trying to be play, playing a box? But I digress. I think that his skill set, his ability to be able to play as a box safety, I think that that would be a plus. My my issue has never been with Jonathan Abrams, uh, Jonathan Abram as a as a player. Um, it's more so about, you know, his, his health. He, he's always been injured, like dealing with injury. So I think that he has that confidence. And I think he, he has that swag that we look for in a defensive player. But um, I think that if the Saints understand what he is and who he is, I think he should be okay. But if you try to turn him into something that he's not, you have a lot of members of the Who That Nation mad and wondering what the Saints are doing. And why they don't want to get John Abrams out of there being a, a, a liability in coverage. So, yeah, I'm not too concerned about him. But it, it, I assume the Saints, I assume the Saints are going to use him and you know, and mostly like you know, run defensive packages. You know, I don't, I don't see him out there playing. You know, when they, when there's you know a bunch of passing plays or they playing against a team that throws the ball more often than not. I don't think he's going to be a starter anyway. Uh, I think in the past, the guys like Clayton Toon didn't work because now the league has adopted a lot of these past concepts. These guys now work uh, in today's league. Yeah, I mean, that is true. But there there are some things that you have to be able to do. Like, it, it's like if you're always in a gun, constantly in college, right? You have to learn how to be on the center. That, I think that it that's something that that can stunt your growth. The fact that you haven't played under center, like you play a lot of shotgun, and that that that's what teams actually look at. So that there, there are certain offensive concepts uh, that can hit, prohibit you from actually being a starter, or actually getting a, a real legit opportunity to be in the National Football League. But the way the University of Houston plays now is completely different than what they played when when Klingler and Andre Ware was there. I, I was just looking at it from a historical significance, right? You know, when you look at the University of Houston quarterbacks, they always are in the realms of NCAA history when it comes to passing yards and touchdowns a game and touchdowns in a season. But uh, when it comes to the league, it, it just can't translate. But I look at Clayton Toon, he, he doesn't kind of he doesn't really fit that mode of a guy that just goes out there and just be slinging it, throwing for eight, nine touchdowns like like Keenum did like Klingler and, and Ware did, you know. So uh, he, he's a guy that can make some make some throws and, you know, in, in tight windows and from what I've seen. And that's something that teams are going to be looking at. I think, you know, some of the things about his footwork, that can improve. Uh, his accuracy is where I feel like it needs to be. It can always get better. And, um, you know, one thing also I noticed, you know, like it, you got to be able to throw. It, there's a lot of passes that he threw. I feel like he led his wide receivers too close to the sidelines where he didn't have to, right? Um, and I feel like that's something that he's probably going to have to work on as well. But th- we're not talking about a guy that's going to be a day one starter here. It's more like a work in progress. And I feel like if he puts his best foot forward, he'll be able to do that. Uh, after the division round in 2018, I've been getting calls and emails and text messages, and I ignored that. Well, yeah, man, I mean, but, hey, that was years ago, so – 
<laughs> we, we moved on and maybe everybody else moved on too. You know, a lot of guys that were playing on both teams aren't even with their teams anymore. A lot of people down on Bennett. I hear Kalijah uh, being compared to Aaron Donald, TJ. Yeah, I mean, look, they went to the same school. Um, the fact that, you know, they, you know, a lot of the athletic ability that he possesses, I'm talking Kansi, you can see some of that in Aaron Donald. But to me, I just think that Aaron Donald is one of the most special defensive tackles I've seen. Like, and I've seen quite a bit, and I've um, been alive long enough to appreciate some really good interior line play uh, from guys like John Randall, guys like Warren Sapp, uh, you know, like guys like that, you know, have been around the league um you know more recently guys like Fletcher Cox and Aaron Donald and it don't get no better than that so um you know I, I think that Kansi will have a solid career but he has a long way to go to be even be in the same ballpark as a guy like Aaron Donald who has been dominant and has honestly been one of the best players if not the best player in the National Football League uh the Ravens will pick Bennett well I mean look wouldn't surprise me at all if they was to go there. I think that, you know, I'm going to be honest. When I look at the Ravens, there's a few guys that kind of stand out to me that I feel like they will go after. Uh, one guy to me is Tanner McKee, the quarterback out of Stanford. That's one guy, you know, because, you know, I feel like the Raven. What, what I feel like is stopping the Ravens from really pulling the trigger on Lamar is I think the Ravens want to be – that traditional offense that they once were, right? When they had Flacco all those years. You know, Flacco wasn't going to knock your socks off unless it was the postseason. In the regular season, he was about as pedestrian as somebody walking across the road. Uh, but they they like that style of offense, getting the ball in the hands of guys, you know, that are deep threats and, you know, also being able to utilize the tight end, which Lamar Jackson has done really well in. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if they try to go get a guy like a Tanner McKee who can – probably play that offense or, you know, one of these other guys that are out there, even Hendon Hooker. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were to go get a guy like Hendon Hooker as well. So there, there's, a, there's to me, I feel like that is the, one of the main reasons why the Ravens have been hesitant about, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they were to get a guy like that. Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I don't know. I think based on the situation that's going on between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, I think they want to draft a, a quarterback much earlier than, you know, Stetson Bennett is uh, projected to go. Lord, Roman Harper, dude, couldn't, uh, could hit, though. Yeah, Roman Harper was really good, you know, at, at that box safety and, and being physical. But in coverage, he was a liability. Uh, me and Hoodie Jew was talking about Jonathan Abram Tuesday night, hard-hitting safety. Yeah, he's a hard-hitting safety, and sometimes I feel like he – he tries too hard to try to inflict that big hit, you know, and I think that his his uh, discipline and his uh, skill set kind of wavers because of that, you know. But I think if he focuses in on just trying to make that tackle, I think he'll be fine. But I don't expect a guy like Jonathan Abram to start. I expect for him to kind of be a part of that supporting cast. And, heck, if he don't even go out there and put his best foot forward, he may not even make the team. TJ, who are your top three most entertaining running backs to watch? Mine was uh, LT, Barry Sanders, and Ricky Williams in Miami. Uh, two most – I mean, three more in, most entertaining? Uh, well, uh, number one would be Marshall Falk. Has nothing to do with the fact that we graduated from the same high school, but I just think that he is the guy who is the godfather of the, the overall 
running back, you know, the guy that can run between the tackles, catch the ball out of the backfield. He was one of the first guys doing it, him and Roger Craig. You know, like Roger Craig started it. Marshall Falk kind of put it on the map, you know. I, so I would say Marshall Falk would be number one. Uh, number two would be Adrian Peterson. Like I've I never seen anybody like Adrian Peterson. He's got dominated in high school, dominated in college, and he dominated in a pro. So um, Adrian Peterson wasn't really catching the ball out of the backfield. Could be a third down liability at times because he couldn't catch a cold and 40 below more times than not. But when you get that boy that football, I mean, he's going to hit his head on the goalpost. And for probably four or five years starting out his career, he probably was the best football player in all of the game, right? It wasn't it wasn't a week that went by that you didn't see a, a NFL break when you see an Adrian Peterson breaking one for 50 or 60 or 70 yards. So I will put Adrian Peterson in there. And um finally, you know, if I'm if I'm looking around, I, I probably would have to go, I probably have to go with Alvin Kamara. You know, Alvin Kamara is when Alvin Kamara is on, like it is like extremely fun to watch. Like Seeing him break tackles, seeing guys like really try to put their best foot forward to try to tackle him, and he just nonchalantly is like just gets past him. It like I never like I never seen a guy who is trying hard looks as if he's not even trying hard. Like it's almost like Alvin Kamara. Like that, that was this movie I was uh, I watched a couple of years ago called Premium Rush. It, it was the guy who played on this show, Third Rock from the Sun. And he also uh, played in a movie, uh, Insomnia, I mean, Inception, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. But he was a, a a delivery guy. And he was a, riding, he was a bike delivery guy in New York. And um, he had almost like had tunnel vision, right? So if he was like, if traffic was congested and, you know, like he looking down the road, you know, he he's already like two, three steps ahead of everybody, right? So he knows when, you know, I get into traffic, I need to maneuver this way, you know, take a cut this way, go around this way. Like he already like envisioned that. So he he never got touched with the traffic or whatever like that. Except like one time where he just predicted like, man, I'm about to get hit. But it's almost like that's how Alvin Kamara mind work. Like Alvin Kamara is like when he catches the ball. OK, OK, let me let me slow down a little bit so Eric McCoy can get in front of me. Okay, Ryan, he on the left side of me. Let me slow down so I can cut over it. Like, it's amazing how this dude mind work. And it's amazing, like, how he just plays as if he's not even trying hard. Like, it, it makes it – he makes defenders at times look, like, ridiculous. So, those would probably be my three, you know. Um, that would probably be, like, the three people that – players that I, I love to watch at the running back position. If I can, if I can pick guys, but of course, I mean, there's so, several other guys you can you can choose from. I mean, Barry Sanders, I mean, so super elusive. Uh, Reggie Bush when he was at USC, I mean, man, what a human highlight reel he was. Percy Harbin, even though he didn't play uh, running back per se, Percy Harbin to me was one of the greatest uh, football players I ever seen. It's unfortunate his career was cut short because he dealt with migraines throughout his career. Um, uh, you know, uh, Peter Warwick, a uh, guy that inspired me when, you know, when I was into playing football, you know, how elusive he was. And, um, you know, so there, there are so many different guys, you know, I put Percy Harbin and uh, Peter Warwick and stuff like that in there because there were times where, you know, they did play the running back position and they knocked it out the park. But those Falk, 
Peterson and Kamara would probably be the three that I, I enjoy watching the most. Let's see, TJ, if he's available in the fifth, could you uh, see us drafting uh, Travis uh, Dive from USC? Um, I'm a, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not too sure about that. I'm not I'm not too sure about if if the if first off, I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna be there. I, honestly, I, I don't feel like he's gonna be there based on like some of the things that I've seen. Um, I, I think he's a solid. I think he's a solid guy. Um, looking at like his stats, I just pulled it up. You know, he had 145 attempts, 884 yards, nine touchdowns. I don't know if, you know, his, I feel like there was a lot of emphasis put, you know, on, uh, Caleb Williams and passing of the football. Um, but the guy like this, you know what I'm saying? Like extremely elusive catching the ball out of the backfield. I, but I think that's probably going to be a role for him. Um, on you know some on some other team, so I don't know if he's gonna be there. I don't I don't know I don't know if he's gonna be there to be honest with you. Like just based on his skill set, I can see him helping our special teams, and he was extremely underrated. I, I think that his stat line wasn't as eye popping because it was so much of an emphasis being put on uh throwing throwing a football. Like I'm I'm trying to see if I can pull up some of his uh stats as a pass catcher here. Um, but like I said, I mean, he, he was, he was a talented guy. I mean, he was also pretty talented when he was at Oregon. So, um, the way I look at it, you know, I don't think he's going to end up being there. I think somebody going to end up snatching him up because he's, he's a pretty uh, good athlete. And I think he had a pretty decent showing at the combine, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, TJ, when he scored on the screen play against Green Bay, breaking all those tackles, he really looked disinterested. Yeah, I mean, it was a couple of times. Man, I remember that time when they played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, like they tried to put him down on the ground and he just kind of waltzed into the end zone. Like the dude is like special, like when he owned it, when he motivated. Now, there are sometimes, you know, I'd just be wondering to myself, like, okay, why he don't cut back upfield? Like he, there's a couple of times where, you know, he catch the ball and he just runs straight out of bounds, don't try to cut it back up, you know. But when he motivated and he, he, he owned like it's very few people that can that can go toe to toe with AK when he when he motivated. Uh, TJ, uh, speaking of running backs, what derailed uh, Maurice Claret's career? Um, I think. Well, I, I feel like this, man. I think a lot of people need to take into account these brothers. I understand, like they make a lot of money, but before they were making a lot of money, a lot of these dudes came from like substandard conditions. They struggled. They mama and dad probably were trying to make ends meet. And the ability to play the game of football could lift their their families up out of poverty-stricken situations. So when I look at a guy like Maurice Claret, I think the thing that derailed him was him trying to be able to provide for his family. And the fact that he wanted to leave college early in order for him to uh, go into the NFL draft, uh, I think it had a lot to do with him trying to take care of his family. I think if it came to the NIL deals, like if Maurice Claret was, you know, playing in modern times, I don't think that, you know, he would have the issue. I don't think he would have uh, went through like some of the, I don't think he would have went through some of the hardships that he went through. It's always hard for guys who are trying to be, who, who are the pioneers of certain situ, situations because 
the NFL, college football, they try to fight against those guys because they want to make these guys examples. Because if those guys are successful, then the next proper guys that come after them are more than likely going to try to do the same thing and it's going to open up a can of worms. That's what I feel like is happening with Lamar Jackson right now. I think the NFL has like this allegiance. Now, understand that all teams want to win, but when it comes to like these meetings and everything like that, I think that they get on the same page. And when there's issues, like I think about, I think about Austin Collie, right? Austin Collie, I don't know, some of y'all probably know who he is. He was a wide receiver for the Indianapolis coach. Pretty solid guy, like pretty, pretty good player. And um, I remember like he took a real bad hit and had to get carted off the field. And, uh, you know, this was during a time when, you know, concussions and stuff like that was a really big topic. And uh, I can also remember like him coming back and he was having a monster game. I think he was playing against the 49ers. I mean, he was out there wheeling and he was dealing. And then all of a sudden he catches the ball again, takes a shot and gets knocked out again, had to get carted off the field again. And the next thing you know, Austin Collie never played football ever again. I, I don't think he ever got signed by any other team. So I just think that maybe they had a conversation about, oh, man, the optics are bad, right? What what happens if this guy goes out here for a third time, but the next time he don't get up and he dies on the field? That's not a good look. So I think that when you are a pioneer, when you're trying to uh, incite change, when you're trying to create change rather than in your community, rather it's uh, on a football field, uh, there are going to be guys that kick against it because they don't want other individuals to get ideas lamar jackson not going the traditional route by hiring an agent guy that's probably in the nfl networks probably um knows the owners knows the coaches he decides to go with his family and he wants to take the majority of the pot and get it all himself when he don't want to chuck out that 30 35 percent to that agent a lot of people don't do that so what happens if you know, Lamar Jackson and his team negotiates one of the biggest deals in NFL history. It's probably going to get other guys to be motivated to represent themselves or probably get that cousin that's probably smarter than everybody and pay for him or her to go through college and be their representation. And next thing you know, like everybody getting money, you know, so, so it's always tough for the guys that are, that are trendsetters, the pioneers. If you look over the course of time, it's always been that way from Muhammad Ali to Colin Kaepernick uh, to Lamar Jackson to so many other guys who who do things that is not a part of the status quo and some people may have issues with. So, yeah, I think but long story short, I think that if Maurice Claret was playing in modern uh, modern day, uh, if he was playing in the modern days, I don't think that he would have been through some of the hardships that he went through. I just think that he did a lot of that because. You know, you have to take into account where his brother came from. And this man was trying to take care of himself and probably got tired of the university using him, you know, for for their own personal gain. And that man wanted some of that. So there you go. TJ, what HBCU player do you like in the draft? Uh, I like a few, man. I like uh, Mark Evans, uh, tackle uh, out of uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. We had an opportunity to talk to um another guy you know that you know i'm pretty high on is aubrey miller um jsu linebacker um it was unfortunate that he didn't get opportunity to go to the combine i don't understand why i mean he was one of the guys that stood out in the senior bowl 
uh, him and Ty J Spears. I, I find it funny that everybody was talking about Ty J Spears, justifiably so, but nobody really was talking about Aubrey Miller, who was setting the tone uh, out there, you know, on the first play from scrimmage uh, when when Hall from Northwestern had that big run. Um, you know, you had uh, Aubrey Miller track him down and, and, and inflict a big hit on him. So I'm pretty sure Aubrey Miller is probably going to end up going to a team. I don't know if he's going to be undrafted free agent or not. Sad that that guy didn't get opportunity. And also Isaiah Land. Um, you know, he's a, a linebacker slash edge rusher um, from FAMU. So th- there's some guys out there uh, that can play. Uh, Dallas Daniels is another guy, you know, uh, played, uh, you know, at Jackson State as well. Uh, had opportunity to play at the uh, East West Shrine game out there in Las Vegas. So there, there's some guys that that are on HBCU teams that deserve opportunities, man. And, um, you know, hopefully they get those. And hopefully we we hear some guys that, that went to HBCUs get their names called in the NFL draft. And um, it, it won't be a, a, a issue anymore, right? So let's see where we're at. Uh, where are the who that's who are imminent, uh, animate about us uh, getting Jadavia one hit wonder cloudy? Well, you know, I think those people kind of died down a little bit. You know, I remember like, you know, when we were trying to go after him, I was always very skeptical about Jadavia and Clowney. Um, it's just funny that a guy with that type of talent, that type of skill set, um, never had double digit sacks. Okay. Never had double digit sacks in his entire career, if I'm not mistaken, in one season. And, um, you know, he always always seemed to be hurt. There's always a shoulder here, a bicep there, ankle here. And, um, you know, now you barely even hear about him. And now I'm pretty sure he's like 30 or close to 30. To me, it's what you see is what you get. I think that he'll get opportunities because of his ability and his freakish athletic ability. But, um, I, I mean, I don't know. He just didn't live up to the hype. But for some apparent reason, nobody really talks about him that much, right? About him being a bust or him not being everything you want him to be. I think AK do that because it's a full season. Well, maybe so. You know, like, I understand, you know, you don't want to jeopardize that. And I think that a lot of it, you know, I want to make sure I make this clear. I think a lot of the decisions that he made wasn't so much business decisions. It was more so team decisions because if he was to go down, he understands that about 75% of the offense goes with him. I understand that, but when I, I when I'm just saying, like when he's on, like when he's dialed in, like it is it's very hard to stop AK. It's very hard to do that. My favorite back that year was Claret and McGahee. Yeah, I mean that national championship game where Miami played Ohio State. Um and, you know, you had Willis McGay who wrecked, uh, who wrecked his knee. Uh, that was unfortunate, man. I remember watching that game. I mean, Willis McGay, he tore everything he had. Willis McGay, he was, a, was an absolute beast. Because I remember him, it was him, uh, it was Walter Payton's son. Uh, you know, they were the one-two punch. And they had, like, so many other talented guys on the team. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say Jonathan Velma uh, was on the team at that time. Um, Ed Reed was on that team at that time. Sean Taylor was on the team at that time. Ken Dorsey, uh, who uh, some of you probably know as one of the coordinators for Buffalo Bills, he was the starting quarterback uh, of that team. And I want to say after that year, I think that's when the University of Miami like set a record for more uh, first-round picks than any other uh, any other school in history. Like they they had so many talented guys that went on to the NFL and were cornerstone players and leaders on teams and. 
and future Hall of Famers. I mean, it was it was um the early two thousand. That's when Miami was was the truth, right? And then all of a sudden, like things start to shift when Urban Meyer went to Florida, and um you know when one school is on top in a certain state, the other one kind of falls. Because it was one time it was Miami and it was Florida State. It was Bobby Bowden, you know, what I'm saying like. It was, <laughs> Bobby Bowden, Florida State Seminoles going up against Miami. That was the rivalry game that came on ABC every every year. And then all of a sudden, Urban Meyer goes to Florida, and you get all those track guys from Florida, and and Miami kind of never been the same, and Florida State never been the same. Well, it took them a while. Florida State, you know, they got back when Jameis came, but you know, th- those were the like those were the times where I was growing up, and you know, watching. You know, Peter Warwick and watching Chris Winkie and, and watching Sebastian Janikowski kick the ball out of back in the end zone. And, you know, I mean, so many different talented guys coming out of out of those schools. Like that was that was like my my teenage years watching those guys play. Uh, TJ, who are your three top three players you fear the Saints having to play in the regular season? For me, it's Steve Smith, Michael Turner and Julio. Um I I never like been nervous or afraid of the Saints playing anybody, you know, like seriously, like I, I don't like I I have an appreciation for guys when they're talented. I'm not mad like, oh man, we gotta go up against them. I have respect for Steve Smith because how tough he is. I got respect for guys like Roddy White, who is very talented, but I I, I didn't know I didn't fear those guys because I always felt like the Saints can can actually beat them. You know, and um, but you know, Steve Smith was a guy that you know that just stood out to me because no matter what you did, rather you double covered or you tried to single cover him, you know he he was a beast. You know, Julio for a little bit for a good minute until like Lattimore came, he was kind of a problem. But um, and when Lattimore came, it kind of died down a little bit. Uh, Michael Turner, Turner the burner, like he was a problem. But it was never like to a point where I was just like, man, this dude about to just dominate the Saints each and every game. It was some games they was dominant, some games the Saints actually knew what to do with. Uh, dude, Turner was a beast in that backfield, man. Yeah, Turner the burner was 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 a beast. Uh, TJ, what's your take on Drake Thomas from NC State? Uh, nobody is talking about him. Um, Drake Thomas. Let me make sure I pull up his stats real quick. Um, let me see what I mean. Let me see. I mean, I'll say nobody was talking about the you know, um, Drake Thomas, a linebacker out of NC State. Hey, you know, I just think that you know, when you look at like the linebacker board, there's there's some guys that kind of like pop off the screen. You know, this guy to me, watching him, evaluating him, seemed like he's just a pretty solid guy, you know. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but I think like in some of those earlier rounds. People want guys that are just gonna just jump off, jump off. You know, like he had what fifty. I'm looking at stats right now. Fifty solo tackles, seven and a half sacks, uh, not a fourth fumble, no interceptions. You know, he was tied for thirty fifth with with sacks. Um, had a hundred and what hundred and one total tackles. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, hundred and one tackles. He had fifty solo. Um, I mean, look. It, it, it is some solid stats, but everything about this dude to me kind of screams, you know, special teams to make the team. Um, 
and might end up, you know, make, making a, a squad in a starting rotation. Uh, not to say that, not to say that he's not good. Um, I just think that you got some guys that's better, that's better out there. And um, I think that he's probably going to have to take the special teams route in order for him to get, get on that field the way that you want him to do it. But I mean, look, very respectable stats. Um, you know, um, some of the like some of the footage I seen when I was evaluating, looking at uh, linebackers. I mean, he's really good. You know, at, at getting getting pressure on a quarterback. He doesn't really like when when he's uh, tracking running backs. You know, he, he gets them down on the ground. But the the issue with with the coverage that that would bother me, man. Because in modern NFL, you got, as a linebacker, you got to be able to cover. And it's something that I feel like he's going to have to get better at. Uh, ATJ, uh, that script comment that AK made had me super uncomfortable. Do you think a team entire win-loss total is scripted by Las Vegas in the NFL? Or at least do you think there's any smoke there? Look, I don't know if there's any smoke there or not. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know if um, – I would hope not. And i tell you this. We better not ever find out because if they do, then I, I think that it's just definitely going to water down uh, the National Football League. It, it's definitely going to water it down. Um, but I don't think that they just sitting up there like, okay, man, this, this is what we're going to do. Um, we want the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. Like, I, I think that when you're doing that, man, so many hands got to be involved in that. I mean, the coaches got to be involved with that referees got to be involved with that i mean there, there's so many different things that have to be involved now do i feel that the nfl when they have like teams that are expansion teams or they have teams that um you know that they, they move to new locations do they have a invested interest in that team actually playing well absolutely do i feel like a part of me do do I feel like back in 2018, uh, the NFL wanted the Rams, who just recently moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles to be at the Super Bowl to gain interest in the Los Angeles market? Yes, I do. Okay, but do I feel like they they decided that like at the beginning of the game? No, I do. No, I don't. I, I do think that they would they prefer the Rams to go to the Super Bowl over the Saints. And there was no tears shed behind the scenes that the Saints didn't go and the Rams did. So there we go. Uh, Roderick, thank you very much for the $2. Said, Tell me how a monster Mike Allstott was. Yeah, Mike Allstott was a beast, arguably one of the best uh, fullbacks of all time. I'm not going to say he was the best fullback of all time because uh, there was a guy who played in Cleveland back in the 60s by the name of Jim Brown. Wasn't too bad. There's another guy who is so well-respected, in my my opinion, uh, among fullbacks, Lorenzo Neal. Uh, is another guy who I feel like is one of the best fullbacks of all time. And I, I got to put my boy Vontae Leach out there, uh, former Houston Texan, former Baltimore Raven. Man, was one of the best fullbacks. Uh, you got to bring put Moose, Daryl Moose Johnson in there too. You know what I mean? I don't think that Emmitt Smith winning nobody rushing title Winning no all-time leading Russia, gaining that without Moose Johnson. Moose Johnson uh, was the guy who was in that eye formation that was uh, opening up them lanes in order for Emmitt Smith to run through him and the Great Wall of Dallas. So 
there's a lot of good fullbacks that I can um, name before I get to Mike Allstott. Now, are we talking about running with reckless abandons and, and physicality? Don't get no better than Mike Allstott. And I think everybody remember that number 40 when he, when he started moving and he had them high shoulder pads, you know, like all the way up to the back of his neck. But, um, man, he was, he was a dominant guy, man. Nobody wanted to tackle that, especially on some of them cold days. If, you know, you're playing in Green Bay or something like that, nobody wanted that smoke, man. Nobody wanted it. Isaiah Land from FAMU. Yeah, I mentioned him already, uh, Justin. But, yeah, yeah, Isaiah Land, pretty good player. Um, I joined late, TJ. Who do you have the Saints taking in the fourth round? I got the Saints taking Clayton Toon, quarterback out of Houston in the fourth round, man. Uh, 40 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 75.2 QBR, 24 years old, 6'3", 220 pounds. Uh, pretty solid quarterback, uh, can make passes in tight windows, struggles a little bit with his footwork, you know, gets a little bit rattled at times, but he has a he's very scrappy and it's something that you can actually build on. I don't think he'll be a starting quarterback, but when you're getting drafted in the fourth round, I mean, the guys can't say they're a starting quarterback besides maybe like Kirk Cousins or uh, Dak Prescott, right? Uh, let's say I definitely water it down and I'll tell my son not to uh, be like me, invest time, money, emotion, all for a game. And that already has the winner picked before games. It'll be entertaining like wrestling. Well, well, I put it like this, man. Um, it'll be entertaining, but why would you want to bet on it? Like for real, like why would you want to bet on like, it, it'd be funny to me. Like, um, <laughs> It'd be funny to me, like, watching wrestling. Like, I was watching WrestleMania this this past weekend, and they had DraftKings come up talking about who's going to score the first pinfall, right? It, it's easy for them to just go out here and say, okay, man, DraftKings can be like, well, they got 80% that feel like Cody Rhodes going to score the first pinfall, which Cody Rhodes end up scoring the first pinfall, right? Uh, he he was the E-pin Roman the first time. So it could easily just go back and be like, you know, well, <laughs> let's go ahead and let Roman make the first pin. I don't like that, right? Um, I, I like things that are – some things have to be organic. Now, everybody, we need entertainment. Well, we need entertainment. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that you can't just go into football and just be like, okay, man, we're going to do this, you know, and no, nah, I'm, I'm good on that. I think if that ever was to happen – I think that that would be the end of uh, of football. Well, it wouldn't be the end of football, but a lot of people will probably turn off the TV or be disinterested in it. TJ, if you need one 15-yard catch to continue a drive on third down, who you going to? Mike T, Marvin Harrison, or Mike Irvin? I'm going to none of them, like, to be honest with you. I'm going with Anquan Bolton. That's what I'm going with. Anquan Bolton, to me, one of the greatest third-down wide receivers I've ever seen in my entire life extremely underrated one of my favorite guys uh you know to watch play so yeah i'm i'm, I'm rolling with anquan Bolton. no disrespect to mike irvin uh marvin harrison who i idolized as a kid from everything from uh you know the number 88 to eating tasty cakes before games but i gotta go with anquan Bolton. wwe screwed up tj well look i don't know if they screwed up or not um but Hopefully they they can kind of you know they can kind of press uh you know the reset button and because I think a lot of people are just upset about the the outcome. I wanna I wanna really talk too much about it because maybe somebody won't go back and see it. But um yeah, I, I just think that uh 
I man, I, I I got mixed emotions about that. I got mixed emotions about it because on one hand, people wanted wrestling to be a certain way. And um now it's is what people actually wanted, where the titles actually mean something more, like it's not hot potato. Um, when when a guy actually beats somebody, you know, it, it's gonna mean something. Like, for example, like Gunther, who I feel like is to me, one of my favorite wrestlers right now. I, I like in-ring technicians. He's he's been in a kind of champion for like a year, right? So whoever beats him, you know, they're gonna be a made man. You know, Roman, whoever beats him, don't be a made man. It's almost like when you know the Undertaker lost the streak or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's it's one of those things. So to me, I have no problem with that. I mean, back in the '80s, you know, Hulk Hogan was the champion for about a million years. So. I don't have any issues with that. Let's see. Uh, would Reggie Wayne being in that lineup change your answer? No, no, it wouldn't. Um, I like Reggie Wayne, man. Solid wide receiver. Uh, but um, nah, man. Anquan Bolden to me, like Anquan Bolden to me, like I, I have so much respect for this guy. If I had, you know, a wide receiver group, like he would be a part of it. Like if people were like, man, give me your uh, starting wide receivers, like Anquan Bolden would be one of them. Cause I, I like I like physical football players, right? And at the wide receiver position, everybody just think wide receivers are just prima donnas and ain't physical and stuff like that. But then I look at guys like Heinz Ward and, and, and Anquan Bowden and go out there and get it, right? Anquan Bowden caught a reception and broke his jaw at the same time. You know, guys like Steve Smith. Steve Smith caught a touchdown and dislocated his is is what his elbow. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, come on, man. Like, guys like that, I'm always going to put ahead of these other guys that just out here that just soft as cottonell tissue at times, you know? Like, want to be barking all in people's face, but ain't about to go out there and get it. I ain't going to say no names, but I'm pretty sure people can think of a few. Uh, and I'm going uh, to read two more, and then we're going to get up out of here, folks. Since we mentioned wrestling, this Austin Theory guy is starting to grow on me. He has all the charisma and is, is a, a, the it factor to be a great heel for years to come and possibly to face with this John Cena push. Look, I like Austin Theory a lot. I call him mini Randy Orton. You know, I think he he reminds me of Randy Orton a lot when Randy Orton first came uh, to wrestling. Um, and I think that he is the future of, of WWE. You know, I, I think a lot of these guys that we've seen this weekend are the future. Um, I think guys like Brian Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, who, are, who was in uh, NXT, they probably going to be some of the guys that's going to be in there. Uh, Gunther is a, a guy that I feel like going to be a future world champion. And uh, there's a good spot for the WWE. It's almost like, you know, the changing of the guard. It reminds me of like WrestleMania 21 when you had Batista and John Cena, you know, both won championships in the same night. But in WrestleMania 20, you know, you've seen John Cena face the big show for the United States championship. And you kind of seen that this guy was going to be the face uh, of WWE, and he ended up being there for the next 15 years. So I, I like these young guys that's coming in. They're talented, and they're they're really, really good. And, um, you know, I enjoy watching them. You know, I, I enjoy watching them. So, uh, ATJ, I think uh, phys uh, physical, I definitely think uh, Julius Thomas. Yeah, Julius Thomas, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, if you're talking about, you're talking about Demarius Thomas, or if you're talking about Julius Thomas, Julius Thomas did tight end? Really? Did you hold on? Hey, that's crazy. I said that's crazy if that's crazy if he is. 
Nah, we talk. I think we talking about the Mary. Okay, I was gonna say. Okay, yeah, Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas was the tight end for the Denver Broncos. I think you talking about the Marius Thomas, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe you talking about somebody else. Uh, but yeah, the Marius Thomas was uh pretty good. We talking about the same guy. I about to say Julius Thomas did. Uh, ATJ. When I think, oh, I already read that one. In my opinion, uh, after uh. DC, Mike T, I think the, the two most important pieces are Turner and Penny. If they can stay healthy and have a successful season, we would be greatly positive impact. Yeah, I, I think that um I think if these guys can't stay healthy, I think that they they'll be okay. Tyrone, thank you very much for the two dollars that I seen updates on uh TO. Uh we should sign. TO. Talking about TO, the 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 legendary wide receiver TO? No, to the no, 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 hell to the no. Nah, man, it, 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 we ain't, nah. I hope the T.O. stand for somebody else. Time out of, <laughs> take off or something. Like, ain't no, no way, no way. But I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate it. Much love to you all. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast facebook.com sir the state of the saints podcast got previous episodes available on apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, anchor fm uh shouts out to the belly up uh sports podcasting network you can follow them on twitter at belly up media or belly up sports and you can follow your truly on twitter um at tjay jones eight till next time all i gotta say is who that hi i'm tj jones the host of the state of the saints podcast and i ask that you like share and comment on this video thanks for watching all i gotta say is who that